0: The main thing that people look at me funny about is when I talk to them about peace. Mm. It's such a foreign concept that it seems unbelievable. And so Satan comes, he gives them a spiritual experience and it seems very genuine. It's something they've never felt before. In this world that's filled with strife and violence and betrayal and heartache and heartbreak, having any experience of peace is gonna be latched onto. I think the other misconception is that demons are always because this is Hollywood demons are always going to be like angry and doing this and that. And having horns. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But people are more easily convinced to walk away from God and his truth as it's written by using love. Mm. Love is an extremely effective tool uh, to convince people like this is the right way. Right. And these near-death experiences, as, as you mentioned, they're all over YouTube. Thousands and thousands of people everywhere. People are so starving. They're starving for something pleasant. Right. They're starving for something good. Right. They're starving to see the Lord, to know what peace is. Mm-hmm. And it goes to how he promises peace. That what the Lord, the peace the Lord gives is not as the world gives, right? The world likes to define peace as changing the circumstance,
1: but the Lord says it's peace within the circumstance. In the garden, what did Satan say? That was the, this (laughs) is what we're going through today. Spiritualism. Like what happens when you die? So what did, what did Satan say? God said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall die. What does Satan say? You will not surely die. Ye shall not surely die. What are we hearing today? I I recently listened to, um, and actually a podcast, actually it was another podcast episode where it, it was mentioned about like near-death experiences mm-hmm. and which is a very very common uh thing these days that like think about like think about all the videos on youtube right. of uh, these near-death experiences and it's a big it's like this big weighty thing when it comes to uh like as a proof like i've had this experience and therefore it's true right like because i've had this experience that means that it's right or that means that it's good. Right. And I yeah, I was listening to yeah, I was listening to this and it just hit me. I was like do you, I it's just like so in general, I don't think people understand and even if they're not Christian, right? Mhm. Um there's just there's no there's no clarity on this this area of yeah near death experiences is and like what happens when you die of like even like the state of the dead and how that intermingles and how that's intertwined i just thought it was so fascinating and it but it it, it also saddens me at the same time because the bible says it's really clear to what happens when you die and but no near death experiences that's so common and where does that come from like like you hear about the per, the person on the pa, uh, on the uh, in the hospital and they, they're dead. They're, pro- they're pronounced legally dead. Mm-hmm. And, but they, get, they, they come back to life, right? right? They're pronounced legally dead, and then they come back to life. And then when they come back, or even think about that, uh, the story of the little boy. Right. What was that called? Heaven, Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Mm-hmm. And using that as a, a basis to say they, they saw he, he, what he said. He saw Jesus. He saw loved ones he saw the little sister that he didn't there's no way he could have known about yeah yeah and these are so common whether it's happening to christians or whether it's happening to muslims or whether it's happening to uh those who aren't even in the faith Mm -hmm. they're not even they don't even believe in god and yet these near-death experiences are happening to them and so it kind of creates this confusion and mud and fogginess around the issue of okay what happens when you die and why are these things happening to people? Right. And so, yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about that because the Bible is really clear that, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that the Bible says that when you die, you rest in the grave. You're, you await one of the resurrections, either the resurrection of the righteous, which is, which happens when Christ returns or the resurrection of the wicked. um, So a thousand years after. Right, after the thousand year millennium. Um, But, yeah, it's just so common, and it's people, I think, just need to know what the Bible says, because even Christians, they're right along with it.
0: Near-death experiences are extremely common, because it's the, the easiest way for Satan to fool the masses is through spiritualism. Right. You give people the spiritual experience, and they attribute that to something holy Mm. and it's because they the thing with spiritual experiences is that they feel very otherworldly and most people don't know what it is to live in the light and presence of God Mm. and so they don't know what peace feels like Mm. of all the things that I've preached to people the main thing that people look at me funny about is when I talk to them about peace it's such a foreign concept that it seems unbelievable, and so Satan comes, he gives them a spiritual experience, and it seems very genuine. It's something they've never felt before in this world that's filled with strife and violence and betrayal and heartache and heartbreak. Having any experience of peace is going to be latched onto mm-hmm. uh we all love we all have a deep connection to our loved ones right. And so that image of them seems very, seems very genuine. It seems very heartfelt. That's somebody you love. Mm-hmm. And why read into it? Right. Why think any more upon it? Like, who cares what the Bible says right. to these people? I got to see my loved one once again. Right. And it's most powerful in those who have lost children. Mm. They get to see their child again. Right, which uh, to me, that's just a mockery of the relationship between the father and the son. You know, the, the all three persons of the Godhead are love, mm. and so the love that the father has toward the son, of course, Satan's going to mock that to have uh, people feel that love again for their uh, for their son or daughter. You don't want none of them want to think about. The fact that oh they 're not in heaven or they 're not an angel now right that 's that 's an extremely common one. Bible says nothing about that in particular right we don 't turn into angels they 're an entirely separate race
1: right separate yeah, separate creation of God completely, yeah, they have a specific and, job right they're uh, they're the Bible says they 're
0: ministering spirits exactly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so near death experiences. The thing you brought up something a minute ago, uh, people that are considered clinically dead. The the thing with that is, that typically doesn't measure brainwave function, as far as I understand, because that takes a whole separate, um, a whole separate amount of uh, like uh, things that go on the head uh, to measure brainwave function. They just figure if the heart has been stopped for this period of time. Mm-hmm. then the person is dead and that's not necessarily true because the brain can still be functioning and it's been shown in controlled tests that you can produce those same like that that um hallway of light the yeah. light at the end which everyone the tummy, sees the light which everyone sees right uh that can be produced in somebody that's just sitting in a chair yeah like, that's not anything extraordinary. That's just the way the brain functions. When it's it's like a fight or
1: flight kind of thing.
0: Yeah, the brain is trying to process things. The brain is
1: trying to It's literally survive. dying. Yeah, it's yeah. literally dying. It's trying to do what it can. And that's the response that the body gives it, that bright light. Yeah. It, it's trying not to go out. <laughs> and as far <laughs> as the
0: sights and sounds of loved ones, of course, as uh, as the Lord has revealed, people who are dead are just dead. Right. You know, they're not, there's no love, there's no hate, there's no, uh, mm-hmm. there's no strife, there's no arguing, uh, arguing, what is it, in a in Ecclesiastes, it's like, they have no portion under the sun. They can't right. affect anything. Right. So why are these people seeing their loved ones? Well, and, I mean, that's how the enemy of souls works. People who have seen ghosts. Mm-hmm they're not seeing the person they're seeing a demon impersonating them right. because the bible is very explicit when people are dead they're simply dead mm-hmm. and i actually love the example that jesus gave to the apostles with lazarus he's mm-hmm. saying go to wake lazarus out of sleep <laughs> they're like oh well if he's sleeping he's fine right and jesus is it jesus had to say plainly lazarus is dead right and we know as the lord has revealed he refers to death as sleep because he knows that everybody's going to wake up right. at one point. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, either in the first or second resurrection, everybody who's dead is going to wake up. Yeah. So it's really beautiful that he refers to death as sleep.
1: Yeah, and just to tie into that, uh, I, there's a verse in Job. Job chapter 14, uh, verse 12 um, and 13 says, So man lieth down and riseth not. Till the heavens be no more, they shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Amen. And it's just so clear, like yeah, just like you said, why Jesus calls it sleep is because he knows they're gonna awake. He knows they're gonna be resurrected. Whether um whether they're a Christian and they went into you know, they went they died and they were followers of Christ, or whether or not they're gonna rise to meet you know, to meet their con their judgment to meet the things that are due to them you every
0: know? everybody from cain to the very last sinner mm-hmm. is going to wake up and i i i've come across people who like when when i'm telling them about the true state of the dead they say that's such a foreign concept you're reading too much into the uh, into the bible and i'm like okay but it's not because mm-hmm. you look at even when martha was in her most... She was grieving so heavily over the death of Lazarus, and Jesus is talking to her, and he's asking her, do you believe? Mm. And she says, I know that he will be raised at the last day. Right. She knew it. This was a truth that was just universally known, and it's been lost in more modern times. Right. And, of course, you can thank uh, you can t- thank the first beast of Revelation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can thank the Vatican for... Uh, pushing forward the unbiblical immortal soul doctrine, uh, the immediate life after death doctrine. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you see all roads truly do point to Rome, especially when it concerns a uh, false doctrine. Right. And so some people would say, but when I was taught, you know, in this near death experience or when I saw my loved one, like it sounds like them, like everything about them, that was my grandma. That was my child. That was my mom. That was my dad. That was my wife. Uh, that was my husband. And so like, how do you explain that? And it's very easy actually to explain that because demons are very long-lived creatures. Mm-hmm. They are hyper-intelligent. They are supernaturally intelligent and they, it can't be underestimated how intelligent they are. They've had 6,000 years to practice their craft. Mm-hmm. Each of us are being studied by those, uh, by those demons. They know our mannerisms. They know the way we talk. They know the way that we walk. They know the way we act. They know everything about us to make a very, con- a very convincing uh, representation of our loved ones because they studied them their whole life. And so when it comes to the person who's not rooted in the Bible, it's very easy to trick them because mm-hmm. they already know what their loved one is, uh, is like, right? They can absolutely sound like them. And uh, I think the other misconception is that demons are always, because this is Hollywood demons are always going to be like angry and doing this and that, And oh, having horns. Exactly. Yeah. But people are more easily convinced to walk away from God and His truth as it's written by using love. Mm. Love is an extremely effective tool yeah. uh, to convince people like this is the right way. Right. And these near-death experiences, as as you mentioned, they're all over YouTube. Thousands and thousands of people
1: everywhere.
0: And I used to spend a huge bit of time in the comment sections of these near-death experience videos linking out to what happens when we die, mm-hmm. uh, the truth about life and death. And for the most part, people don't want to hear it yeah. because this goes to experientialism. Right. And the sermon I did titled experientialism is all about the the idea that people cling to the emotions, they cling to the experiences, even when those uh, experiences and feelings are in opposition to the word of God. And therein you see a type of worship of the flesh because it's about how I feel. It's about how I perceive.
1: Right. And then another aspect of that as well is that people think, oh, well, all these denominations, all these Christians surely can't be wrong. Right. All the, this doc- They have doctrines that say you go to heaven right after you die. Surely they can't be wrong. But God's word says let God be true and every man a liar yeah it's like this, it's it, we, are, we are not to depend our beliefs on what other people say regardless if they're popular or not mm-hmm. they, it could be the most popular thing in the world but if, God, if God's word says it's not true it's not true
0: it's the same excuse for those who are opposed to the seventh day sabbath they're like you mean to tell me every sunday keeper is wrong you mean to tell me billions of people are wrong and you're right I'm like First of all, it's not about me being right. It's that the word of God is true. Mm-hmm. And yes, according to the word of God, all of them are wrong. Right. Because it's just the way it is. It's not what I'm saying. It's right. what the Bible says. Right. And uh, I mean, that'd be interesting to talk about too. Yeah. But, but it's the same excuse. You mean to right. tell me that all these denominations are wrong? Yes. That's right. exactly what I'm Essentially,
1: saying. Essentially, Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's not it's not as if they're purposely trying to be an error. Right. It's just that they're underneath these creeds and these doctrines and they're bound by these creeds and they're bound by what their pastor is saying because they trust them. They're saying, "Oh, surely they're a shepherd. They're leading the flock. I trust what they say." Yeah. But God says to n- not put our trust in man and to make sure that everybody God says in the Bible to show yourselves approved, like study to show yourself approved unto God. Mm. Like we, we have a duty, like God sees each and every individual, me, you, everyone. He sees we each have an individual duty to have the experience of the gospel, but to study it out in the Bible for ourselves. We can, yes, God sets pastors, he sets teachers, he sets, set, uh, sets ministers in positions for us, mm-hmm. but they cannot take our experience, they cannot take our place for studying the Word of God as we we are all individually going to stand before God ourselves. And so when we place our trust or our hope or on something like on a pastor or a teaching or a doctrine or something like that, um, you know that is our our duty is to make sure that we're studying the Bible so we can know the truth for ourselves. Amen. And, and then,
0: looking into what a pastor is supposed to be, uh, especially in Jeremiah, you see that the pastors are at fault here. You know, because uh, you're absolutely right. For the most part, the people in the pews, the common uh, the common people who are just there to worship, for the most part, quite a few of them have their hearts in the right places. They just want to worship, right? They just want to love the Lord. And so, you know, this is why we especially praise his name for Acts 1730, that at the times of their ignorance, God winks at, there are Mm -hmm. plenty of people in false churches who are going to be counted ignorant, right? And it's because their pastors are not studied. Their Mm -hmm. pastors led them astray. They themselves are usually never taught to open your Bible. Mm-hmm. Study it for yourself. Check me. Mm-hmm. Like, am I, check me. Am I wrong in what I'm saying? If I'm wrong, just like every preacher in the remnant movement, if we're, if we're proven wrong, the next time we're on the pulpit, uh, we admit it and ask for forgiveness. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. These, these shepherds, I, I also don't think people understand this about pastors. The root word for pastor is Pastor. Like, mm-hmm. a shepherd leads their flock through green pastures, like Psalm 23, right? Right? He leadeth me through uh, green pastures. Mm-hmm. And that's what a pastor is supposed to do. He's a, she- he's a shepherd of a flock that's supposed to guide them through. Now, the prophet Zechariah says something very interesting. I want to read the whole verse, but I'm going to have mm-hmm. to explain it since this is audio. Yeah. He says in Zechariah eleven seventeen. Yeah, please read it. He says, "Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth uh, that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. Uh, his arm shall be clean dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened." I'm not going to get into the symbolism and stuff, but the wording itself. Where, because if you just hear this verse, it sounds like, all right, the lazy pastor who doesn't who doesn't study and all that, but that's not how it's written. It says, woe to the idle shepherd. Idle is not spelled I-D-L-E, as in lazy. It's spelled I-D-O-L. The mm. idle shepherd, the oh. idolized shepherd. Wow. People look to their pastors and ministers and idolize them above the word of God. Mm. And so when they say that uh, heaven, that you can go to heaven or hell immediately mm. because they idolize their leaders. They end up just believing what they say without checking it. Right. So the prophet was absolutely correct the idol shepherd, the idolized shepherd. Mm. And you see that especially in the televangelist community. It's yeah. like, oh, what he said, he's so amazing and all this. When you check them, it's real easy right. to see that they have no idea what they're talking about but the people just keep throwing money at them. Yeah. And it's the experientialism. You see that spiritualism in those churches as well. Right. So they're just moved
1: by spirits. And, you know. Right. And that, that makes me think about, um, yeah, like you said before, time back, you said, um, yeah, thanks for reading that. You said about the uh, experientialism, but oh, about demons and Satan. People think that Satan comes as this uh scary looking mean has horns and he's red Mm -hmm. and uh like no that's not the case exactly like sure demons are yeah they're not good obviously they're fallen angels Mm -hmm. that's what demons are they're fallen angels uh but the bible says that satan can impersonate like light he can create false light and he can be a false light and people think that what they're following is true and they think it's of god but the bible says in second corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 and no marvel for satan himself is transformed into an angel of light and you see all these apparitions
0: of mary all these apparitions of jesus and stuff where this ball of light isn't just a ball it's like human shaped yeah and but you notice it's light knowing what the lord says about what happens when we die Mm -hmm. and they're just asleep obviously that's not
1: mary right obviously that's not that's not anyone that's just a demon but if it but right but again if people think it's a light oh it must be good yeah especially it it appears
0: as a white light so like a
1: pure white light and that's where the enemy gets people it's just like they see these things and if they're ignorant to what the Bible says, which is so important to have a knowledge of the, of the Bible, of the scriptures, the word of God, mm. because it it pierces through any darkness. And this is a huge example of that case is, if you do not have a knowledge of the Bible, especially with spiritualism or what happens when you die, these things are going to deceive you. And especially in the times that we're living, in into what we're heading into, like, Every, we just saw, I mean so many things are going on right now in politics and uh, and just spiritualism in general is ramping up. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many things spiritually that are attributed to God when it's not him at all, and they're going to be rap- ramping up and what the Bible says that if possible, the elect you know the elect will be what does it say? I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. That the,
0: the, basically, the miracles are going to be so profound
1: so believable per se yeah that oh yeah that if possible the elect would be deceived like, Yeah, if it was possible
0: uh, matthew 24 24 for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders yeah in much that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect and i praise the lord that he puts if
1: if right
0: because it's not possible right for the elect but the only reason the elect cannot be deceived is because of his command to be studied mm-hmm. my my favorite verse as far as studying is concerned is in proverbs you know it is the glory of god to conceal a thing but it is the honor of kings to search out a matter
1: yeah I think So think that's we search. proverbs 28 or no 25 maybe one of the two yeah yeah,
0: yeah and so we search and we search and we search and mm-hmm. so uh, and so he makes it so that when these false miracles, these false signs and wonders come, we know it's not God. Right. And I love that Jesus continues on to say that. And when they say that, when they say that the Son of Man is in the desert, don't go there. Yeah. And then, but he ends it with how his appearance actually looks. Yep. He's not just going to be some guy somewhere, that's like obscure. Like, oh, I heard he's there. Like, no just like the lightning lights from the east to the west so shall the coming of the son of man be you're not going to miss it everybody's going to see it's not possible to to not know what's happening Mm -hmm. and so how does all this go to near-death experiences people are so starving they're starving for something pleasant they're starving for something good right they're starving to see the Lord to know what peace is mm-hmm. and it goes to how He promises peace that what the Lord the peace the Lord gives is not as the world gives right the world likes to define peace as changing the circumstance but the Lord says it's peace within the circumstance I mm. mean the spiritualism is so effective because it changes your circumstance I'm not saying the Lord won't change. Like, right. it won't change your circumstance because oftentimes he will. But the peace only comes by really following him and being with him. This it, world yeah. is so fallen and destructive, and people are being impacted on a personal level that the first indication of something peaceful, they're going to latch onto it just like a thirsty person is going to latch onto a glass of water
1: probably not even thinking hmm is there poison in this right wow that's a really good point like in our world where it's so dark and there's so many things happening death and disease and sickness and all these things happening like you said people are just looking for something to grab onto that they feel that seems uh steady Mm -hmm. that seems like it could be an anchor of somewhat Not checking to see if that water that when they're thirsty to not checking to see if that water they're drinking is pure But they're just drinking it because it's something good And
0: this whole spiritualism stuff ends up with them building their house on sand, right? They're looking for stability. Like you said, they're looking for a good foundation, but they're building it on shifting sands Mm -hmm. on the shifting sands of experientialism And Mm -hmm. so these near-death experiences though. I understand them right you know, they're clearly they're clearly a combination of uh, an overactive brain that's trying to survive and uh, demonic visuals. Mm-hmm. Demons are not opposed to using something that happens naturally, like the function of the brain, and incorporating their own thing to it, like seeing your loved ones. Right. Like, you'll see your loved ones at the end. Just get right with God. Right. You know, and it's not... Exact And, and plus it doesn't make any sense in the long run anyway, because everybody believes in a judgment day, right? right? So to say that, oh, my loved one is in heaven or my loved one is in hell, doesn't that show that they're already judged then? So like, why do people believe in a judgment day right. if their loved one's already been judged to be in heaven or hell? Mm-hmm it doesn't make sense even on a logical level, let alone a scriptural one. Mm-hmm. And so even just by that, you can tell that near-death experiences aren't real.
1: Right. That there's so, so many of these things are, it, it, like you're saying, it's based upon a foundation of sand, but yet it's being used as a guiding, f- it's almost like their goalpost of like, because I had this near-death experience, and it does it does change a lot of people like uh, and that's the thing about it is like if somebody has a near-death experience it will change their life for the good per se mm-hmm. like it could change their life oh because of because this happened now i'm gonna live in this way mm-hmm. which is you know could be a good thing right god use all god can use all things for good as he says in Romans eight twenty eight,
0: and he's very much not opposed to using his uh, using his enemies right to and perform he does his that. will, like the Assyrians. Right. I was just uh, where is I? I think I'm in Isaiah now, and
1: he he called the Assyrians his sword, right? And he uses yeah exactly because Israel was in sin, yeah, because Israel was disobedient. He uses like the enemies of other lands to. you know, for his judgment. And in the end, the Assyrians were destroyed too because they weren't following God.
0: Right. So the Lord is not opposed to Mm -hmm. using those who are against him to perform his will. And so, you know, this, that whole more peaceful countenance that comes from people who have a near-death experience... Some people will even see that. Oh, they used to be a very violent person. They had this near-death experience. Now they're very peaceful. That must be God. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. There. I mean, there are... Uh, I mean, there are atheists who have a good moral compass, but they don't worship the Lord.
1: Right. And real calm, uh, nice, kind people.
0: In fact,
1: I don't so, know... Like, very I, calm.
0: Yeah, I don't know a lot. if a lot of people know this, but when real Satanists... Uh, like who uh, are part of the church of Satan Mm -hmm. and things like that, the real ones, Mm -hmm. you never know that they're actually Satanists. The ones who like, they, they have the getup, like they're, they're wearing all black and brooding and all that. Mm -hmm. Those are more like wannabes. They're like dipping their toes into it. Real Satanists come across not just as normal people, but they are generally more calm. Mm -hmm. They are generally more at peace. And that is exactly how Satan works. He doesn't, uh, you alluded to it earlier, he doesn't, Satan doesn't come to people like huge, muscular, eight feet tall, ripped. uh, Scary guy. He doesn't come to you as your enemy. He comes to you as your friend. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that, uh, he learned that because of how much he failed during the 1,260 year period where the Vatican was slaughtering God's people to the tune of 500 million people. Mm-hmm. He learned that for every Christian he burned at the stake or tortured or any or something like that, people would see people standing up for their faith, and
1: 10 more Christians would pop up. Yeah, when somebody was martyred at the stake, yeah, or hung, or for for believing in the Bible or reading the Bible or translating the Bible. Yeah, the Vatican intended their
0: suffering uh, to produce fear in people, so they wouldn't go that direction.
1: Right. But it had the opposite effect. One one got martyred and 10 more would pop
0: up. Amen. And so he learned his lesson. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, open violence doesn't keep people from coming to the Lord. So what can I do? All right, I'll start going for the leaders.
1: Yeah, and infiltration. Yeah,
0: infiltration. I will use a mockery of the Lord's love. Mm. And I will show people a false peace. Violence didn't work. So I'm gonna right. show them a false peace. And he's been extremely successful ever since right. uh, ever since the 1260 years ended. Mm-hmm. You see that in the Protestant churches, you have the most loving, kind-hearted, yeah. seemingly genuine pastors and stuff. They'll go out, they'll help the community, they'll help their congregation, they'll make some of them will make themselves go broke and go into debt right. to help. And those are genuinely good actions. Right. But Without submission to the Lord, what does it actually count for in in terms of eternity? There, because there's this question that I used to get when talking about morality, uh, talking about being saved, and this typically comes from veterans. And when I'm talking when I'm talking to other vet, well, combat vets, and it always it almost always comes up. They say, "Well, what about the guy who?" jumped on a grenade for his buddy. You're saying that he's going to go to hell? And my response as the Lord has led me has been like, I can't judge where somebody's going. That's for the Lord. But what I can say is this. That man showed the greatest form of love. Because even Jesus says, greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friend. That is a very clear indication of that man's love uh for uh for the men he served next to Mm -hmm. that said we are not a works-based faith right we don't work our way to heaven we go down the narrow path that jesus set in front of us to the father by submitting to him mind body heart soul everything a good action does not earn somebody's place into heaven a good action is a reflection of the goodness love and beauty of jesus christ mm. but we don't go to heaven just because we sacrifice ourselves right we end up we end up going to heaven because we've submitted our lives totally and completely to jesus mm. the, am i denying that that man who jumped on a grenade Uh, did a good thing? No. Who in their right mind would say that that was a bad thing? Right. That was the ultimate sacrifice born from love. Still, we are not a works-based faith. Right. So I can't say whether that man is going to heaven or not. That's not for me. Mm -hmm. As you know, we are commanded to judge, but we are barred from condemning. We are barred from making a determination of somebody's eternity. We can say where sin leads, we can say where righteousness leads, but we can't read the heart. That's for, the, right. that's for God himself. Mm-hmm. And that's the key thing. Mm-hmm. People think that because a good action was performed, therefore that person is deserving of heaven. No. Right. We deserve damnation. We deserve destruction. We deserve death. And it's only by the merits and righteousness of Jesus Christ that anybody goes to heaven. When it comes to what we deserve, we deserve utter destruction, period. Mm. We only go to heaven because of Jesus, not right. because of good actions.
1: Right. And for if someone was wondering, well, why, what do you mean we deserve destruction? What do you mean we deserve death? Is because. Um, the Bible is you know says that Romans 6:23 says the wages of sin is death and that ties into spiritualism again because because God has a set standard he's perfect he's holy he's omnipotent he's the the epitome of purity he's love, love itself and he has a standard and that standard is his ten commandments and he's laid that out in the Word of God um, even if you've broken one of those those commandments which, we all have. I've done it. You've done it. Every day. Every, everyone in their neighbor, their grandmother, their grandpa, their cousin. No one ha- can say I've not. I've never lied. I've never stolen. I've never lusted. I've never committed adultery. And you know, if you lust, out Jesus says, if you lust after someone in your heart, you commit adultery mm. in your heart. So you've already broken that commandment. The law is spiritual. It's not just physical. Mm. If you've uh, hated anyone, you're a murderer in God's eyes. If you, you know, tell a lie, like I said before. If you covet, if you. Um, Even if you wh- dishonor wh- your parents, if you yeah, the fifth commandment, you know, don't dishonor your your father and your mother. Um, if you don't listen to them when you're a kid, you know, we've all broken these commandments, and that's why God says that sin is the transgression of the law in First John three four, and that's why we deserve destruction and damnation and death. Roman says, yeah, the wages of sin is death because we broke that standard. But the good news is why we have the gospel is because. Jesus paid that fine for us that we couldn't do. We, there's not another law that we can do to earn merit. There's not an, another law that we can do to earn salvation. It's simply by the imputed righteousness of Christ, just like you were saying. Amen. And tying that back again, um, that's why Jesus had to die for us in the first place. So everybody's heard of Jesus, but that's why he had to die. But tying that back, that was the first lie in the garden what did satan say that was the this is what we're going through today spiritualism like what happens when you die so what did what did satan say god said if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil ye shall die what does satan say you will not surely die ye shall not surely die what are we hearing today you're going to go right to heaven you're going to go right to hell yeah the bible it's, says no the way the, immortal, of sin is the death. immortal
0: soul doctrine
1: and if people think because again of the ignorance of this, the, they don't just don't know hmm. that pe- we are born eternal, we are born immortal. But no sin has entered the picture. That means death is coming. Yeah. But only because Jesus, who the Scripture says, who alone hath immortality, God yeah. alone has immortality. He gives a, gives that immortality to us as a free gift. But if we didn't have God, we would be we would be dying. And, and we would no longer exist.
0: And as Jesus was the only, the only person to ever live an entire life free from sin, never breaking any of the commandments, even yep. once,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's only by his righteousness yep. that any of us can go to heaven at all. And so that's why, as you said, this is all about the merits of Jesus right. by his righteousness because he's the only person who's ever lived
1: right.
0: that has lived an absolutely perfect life and that's how he defeated death
1: right defeated death
0: it's because he defeated death that we can be imputed with his righteousness and immortality Mm -hmm. to live eternally with him uh, with him as well and so yeah it's um though it may sound harsh we all deserve death right that's just reality Mm -hmm. and the sooner people come to terms with the fact that we deserve death but the lord has provided an escape but exactly and the thing is some people will say lots of people will say god has been so unfair They're like why do i keep uh, why do i keep having these hardships why do my loved ones keep dying why does all this happen They're like god is so unfair and the thing is you don't want to you don't want fairness fairness mm-hmm. would have us all just be condemned you don't mm. want fairness; you want mercy and grace. Yeah, and so you go to chapters like um, Psalm one thirty six. The end of every single verse is for his mercy endureth forever. Mm. You don't want fair; you want mercy. We wouldn't be here right now if it was fair. Yeah, and that mercy was obviously shown to our first parents, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. The moment they the moment they sin- the moment Eve sinned, at first she should have been struck down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then. Even worse, she brought that sin to her husband, and he sinned. They mm-hmm. should have been struck down, but what do you see? Mm. You see that mercy was given. They lost their robes of light, but they were covered with the first death in the Bible. The first death in all of creation was that lamb. That lamb that ended up being their clothing as a symbolic uh, gesture to how we need to be covered with the lamb.
1: And in the same way, the gospel was showed in the very beginning mm-hmm. when adam and eve sinned that gospel by um that covering that christ puts upon adam and eve after they sinned because they were looking they believed and they trusted, and they had faith just as we do today a lot of people think the old and new testament they're different because one was uh based upon works or and then now we're based upon grace mm-hmm. well in the same way just like through all the sanctuary services they put their trust and their faith in Christ, the coming Savior of the world, the Messiah, in the same way we do today, except he was in the past now, you know, in history, He you know, 2,000 years ago. It wasn't about
0: the sacrifices or rituals. It was about the heart of love that was willing to obey the Lord.
1: Exactly. And in the same way, Adam and Eve, we have, we can truly say we have the same faith of Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. because we trust in the Messiah that God has provided for us. Amen. But... Um, we're going to, I'm going to make it, we're going to make another episode that, uh, we're going to also talk about, uh, talk about some things that have to do with, um, kind of more about Jesus, which we should always be talking about, but in the way of like exclusivity. Yeah. Why is Jesus, why does the Bible say Jesus is the way to God? Um, so thank you for joining and we will, hopefully you'll join us for the next episode. So we're going to stop the episode here and, uh, continue on with, with the next episode. Thank you.